0: know like this is a good person I could totally have a healthy happy life with this person but there's just this one thing that I cannot let go of that I keep obsessing about that I it just really drives me crazy then that's us like that's (laughs) that's the thing in us that needs to be healed
1: welcome you're on air with Ella where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by Ms. April Adams. Hello April, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Where are you today?
0: I'm in New Hampshire. In New
1: Hampshire? Yes. It's pouring with rain here just outside of the DC area. I hope you're having better luck than I am.
0: Yeah, it's overcast, but it's not raining, so a little better.
1: April, can you please tell everybody who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, I am an emotional health consultant, and basically that means that I show people tools that they can use to literally remove emotional triggers. So not cope with them, not tone them down, but actually like literally remove them. And that's by dealing with the subconscious mind and convincing it that it's safe. Because anything we have a strong emotional reaction to is basically the subconscious thinking that we're not safe in a particular situation. So if we can get the subconscious to believe it's safe, we can move on from that thing and not have it be a trigger in the future. So I basically teach people how to use subconscious healing tools to get those kinds of results.
1: April, I don't know anyone who doesn't need an emotional health consultant. (laughs) Me neither. How much do you charge to just follow us around all day, every day?
0: (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of it is I don't need to because I give you the tools and then you get to walk away with them. And you know, it's really honestly my goal anytime I work with anybody that they be completely self-sufficient with the tools by the end of our work together so that they don't need anyone forever. To have to deal with, you know, all of the triggers and things that arise in life.
1: Well, we talk about a lot of different things on this show, April, as you know, and really anything where we can start creating more of the life we want and removing the things that we don't. Like that's literally it. So so we talk about everything from relationships to self-care to how to move our bodies to how to manage our money. Like if it makes our life better, I'm here for it. And I want to talk to you today about relationships, a topic that we dabble in from time to time with some frequency on the show, April. And I really want to talk about with you relationships and how we use them to get our needs met and what might be okay with that and what might not work so well for us in that. Does that 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 makes sense?
0: Yes, yeah. And that's totally up my alley, because that's what got me into doing this work in the first place. I was really obsessive myself with needing the honeymoon phase to just go on and on and on forever and becoming devastated whenever it wasn't going the way that I wanted it to whenever that constant romance and sex and passion and intensity would start to go downhill. It was like the end of the world for me and I would chase my partner around trying to change them and fix them and get them back to who I wanted them to be. And it wasn't until I figured out I was the common denominator, I was the one in my relationships that had that longing where other people I had had serious relationships didn't. So I was like, oh, this is me. This isn't something wrong with them. I'm the one who has this need or this longing or this obsession and feel like I can't be happy until these needs are being met. So you know, I know a lot of people suffer with similar things to that. It might not look exactly the same, but (laughs) that's a big thing for a lot of people. We all have this expectation on our partner to do certain things for us or behave a certain way or to stop doing certain things just to please us and keep us happy and safe and comfortable. And nobody could possibly meet all of our needs all the time. And so it's, it's unfair of us to expect that of other people. <laughs> so that's really what led me into doing the work on myself first and now doing that work with other people.
1: Can we talk a little bit, April, about what that looks like in a relationship when you are expecting the other person to fulfill you or meet your unmet needs or whatever the, whatever the verb is? What does that look like in relationship? Maybe even what did that look like for you? How did that show up for you in your younger years?
0: Yeah. I basically would just constantly be, especially with my wife, because the honeymoon phase was so amazing and so perfect. It was like, this is everything, <laughs> you know, and then
1: when never change. Changed,
0: yeah. When it changed, I just couldn't even believe it. It's like the, what, you know, and so I followed her around constantly going, okay, maybe you need some hormone therapy. Maybe you need like <laughs> where did your sex drive go? Where, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing? And I would literally actually like say like, why aren't you doing this thing anymore? Why aren't you doing that anymore? I would write letters about what I wanted it to look like again and how much I missed how it used to be. And I would never let up. It was just this constant, like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? How can we fix you? How can we, I don't know how she put up with it, honestly.
1: That sounds like a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really was. And I, I did it for three straight years, which was extra ridiculous.
1: But April, so many people can relate to what you're saying. So in relationship, and and I'll say, especially in our younger years, and what I mean by that is we learn through lived experience, obviously. So- in in my first very long-term committed relationship, I remember expecting him to read my mind, read my heart, know what I needed, anticipate my needs, fulfill them without being asked. And then when that oddly did not occur, I remember feeling gypped, which then turned into feeling resentful. And the whole thing imploded. I mean, I can't imagine why.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And that happens so often. That's really what we tend to do. and i I hear that story a lot of why can't he just figure out what I want or need? or why doesn't he figure out by the way that I treat him and the things I do for him, why isn't he reciprocating and doing those exact things back to me? But, you know, we all have different love languages. We all have different ways that we expect. And then we, as women, too, are extra programmed to think that this other person is supposed to fulfill us because of, every movie every book every show every love song (laughs) everything in our culture every fairy tale is constantly telling us this other person is going to fulfill you this other per it's their job to make you happy and make you feel whole and complete and it's garbage and it just ruins us and it ruins our relationships
1: you say if you are a woman who is dissatisfied in a relationship I can't change your partner but I can help you let go of longing find more peace and get clarity on determining whether you're in the right relationship. That's a lot. Can we talk a bit about how you do that?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. You know, people often will come to me either at the ver- on the verge of leaving a job or on the verge of leaving a relationship they're just like, I am really dissatisfied. I you know, wish it was some other way. I can't stop focusing on what's wrong or what's missing. I don't know whether this person or this job is the right thing for me. And so to me with those kinds of situations, unless they're toxic, if they're toxic or abusive, get out, like leave immediately do whatever you need to do to absolutely you know, like <laughs> that caveat out of the way. However, if it is not toxic, and it's just you're triggered a lot where you have a particular longing and everything else is fine but there's just this one part that you cannot let go of that you can't move past and you keep obsessing about it deal with that heal that figure out what the things are in that relationship or that job that are triggering you and troubling you and that you're longing for and are pain points for you heal that and then you can get the perspective to decide does this relationship resonate does this job resonate You know, and you can tell then, was that my intuition telling me to leave, or was it just my own triggers and my own (laughs) inner wounding that was driving me to feel like I needed to leave? So once you've kind of healed that, you can make better, you know, have better discernment, make better decisions.
1: So you are saying that it starts with us? Always. Every damn time. We're never off the hook, actually. (laughs) No. I want to talk a little bit about how to be happy, even if your partner isn't constantly fulfilling your needs. And April, I think it's important to delineate a few things here. First of all, we, again, are obviously not talking about dangerous relationships or situations where you are being compromised in any way. We're talking about relationships that feel like they have run their course or that you can't figure out what the problem is and things that are in like normal slash healthy threshold, but could do better. I imagine. Does that sound fair? Exactly.
0: Yes, yes. My own example, uh, my own relationship, everything was so beautiful, healthy, loving, equal. Like there was just so much positive about it. All of it was so perfect, except that the like exciting honeymoon phase intensity had gone away. And so I knew on a conscious logical level that it was a good, viable, healthy relationship and that I should want to be in it. Logically, I knew I was loved, but I couldn't feel loved. And I think that's what happens for a lot of people. It's like we could, we know like this is a good person, I could totally have a healthy, happy life with this person. But there's just this one thing that I cannot let go of that I keep obsessing about that I it just really drives me crazy, then that's us like that's, (laughs) that's the thing in us that needs to be healed. But you know, if the whole thing is unhealthy, and there's abuse, and there's manipulation and and all of that, then that's a whole other story. But when it's a healthy relationship, and you know that you're loved on a logical level, but you can't feel it, then that's typically something in you that is feeling like I can't be happy until this thing occurs, I can't feel loved until this thing occurs. And that's 100% us.
1: I am here, April, for the most robust existence that we can create for ourselves. And I truly believe you can maintain vibrancy in your body, in your relationships, in your work, in your career. And let's talk about it a little bit. So let's say, let's speak to the person who right now is in that place where we started, which is, my partner isn't really fulfilling my needs. I feel dissatisfaction. Where do I start
0: Yeah, so I actually have a four-step process that I did to get out of that place myself because that was my biggest issue. I spent a long period of time just trying to figure out like what was causing that in me? How could I fix it? And finally, within a month, this set of like three or four tools all came to me at once. And this was just over five years ago. The first thing was I read this book by a sex therapist jack morin called the erotic mind. And it basically talks about how we as adults use our sex lives to try to get the emotional needs met that weren't met when we were children. So what he has you do is write down your top two favorite sexual fantasies and your top two favorite sexual moments of all time and look at what the emotional needs are that are getting met in each of those scenarios. And for some people, the sexual aspect of that is a little bit of a challenge where it's okay to drop it down to romantic fantasies and romantic memories, like really, what made you fall for that person? Or what could someone do or say to you to make you fall for them? or are those things that you wish for? But for whatever reason, the sexual ones are the ones that really point to our biggest things.
1: Okay. You got to unravel this for me. So, cause what I just heard you say, and you correct me is we need to identify our favorite sexual fantasies and memories. Is that what you said? Yes. yes. Okay. And then identify the emotional needs that those met. Is that right? Correct. But where did their childhood come into this?
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so the childhood part is, Once you know what the emotional need is that's getting that, let's say it makes you feel validated you know let's say that fantasy or that memory you just felt so heard so seen so validated in that moment then you want to ask yourself when was the first time that i was invalidated did my parents invalidate me did teachers and friends invalidate me and you know chances are at this point all these bells and whistles are going to be going off like oh yeah everybody dismissed my feelings from the moment i was born and this person dismissed me here and this person invalidated this and you know so For most people, you're going to get example, 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 kind of cropping up throughout your life of all these times where that has been something that's been lacking for you.
1: All right. So you said for people who are struggling with that concept, it's okay to expand your thinking to like your romantic notions, your romantic fantasies. So an example would be if you thought your husband was going to ride in on a white pony and save you from all of your troubles, is, is that kind of what we're talking about, April?
0: Yes. Uh, you can totally, I mean, even if it's just you constantly wish he would bring you flowers more often, what would what emotional need would that meet for you? Or how would that make you feel about yourself and about your relationship? What emotion would that bring up for you? Besides the simplicity of just feeling loved, when, when I'm talking about emotional needs, I'm talking about feeling wanted, validated, seen, feeling special. And I actually, when I walk people through this process, I actually give them sheet of emotional needs. So they've got a list of words to look at. And then you can kind of go, okay, so when in my life have I not had that need met? So yes, you absolutely can go to the romantic fantasies. It's absolutely fine to do it that way.
1: But you're saying it can be quite powerful because we use our sex lives to get our emotional needs met. This is a conversation I've never really had before. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about that.
0: For for me, in particular, when I did this exercise, because I had been, you know, obsessed about my wife not being a certain way or whatever, and I would always like try to puzzle it through and go, what is it? What do, what do I want? You know, and it was like, uh, I want more romance. I want more flirting. I want more spontaneity. I want her to desire me, you know, and I would come up with those kinds of things. But once I did this exercise, both of my fantasies and both of my memories all Pointed to the word wanted. And that was the aha moment for me, because being wanted was a whole other level of things where I could ask myself, when was the first time I was unwanted? And just this light bulb went off over the top of my head of, oh my gosh, I was an unplanned pregnancy. From my conception, from the moment people knew I existed, there was that instant flush of, we don't want this. And so, you know, then I've got all these examples that I can come up with throughout my life of all these times where either I remember feeling unwanted or I can logically assume I probably felt unwanted. Even if there's no memory, no uh, emotion associated with that anymore on a conscious level, my subconscious sees that as wound, 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 wound. And then my wife rejecting me as I perceived her to be would just rip open that wound again and make me feel unwanted so then i could clear all of that by healing that on the subconscious level and that brings us to the next step in all of this because it's great to have the conscious awareness of where this came from and why you've had these patterns and why you long for certain things and (laughs) why you act like an addict when it comes to like one particular aspect of your life Uh, but that awareness doesn't make it stop You still are going to have the longing. You're still going to be feeling stuck and having those knee-jerk reactions, even if you understand why now. So healing it on the subconscious level is really the biggest step in all of this.
1: We're all just children's subconsciouses walking around in adult bodies, I think.
0: (laughs) No doubt. 100% we all are. I have no doubt of that.
1: I definitely want to talk about how we remove that wound or heal that wound on a subconscious level. But first I wanna just do a quick sidebar, if you'll humor me. This sounds to me like something that we could apply, this methodology sounds like something we could apply in any major challenge area in our life. And what I mean by that is relationships, I've said it before, I'll say it again, are like holding a mirror in front of our childhood <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Right? and a big fat mirror in front of self at all times. But also what's coming up for me here is people's relationship with money and where they have subconscious wounds that they don't know. And they have subconscious patterns that they don't realize are impacting their ability to build their own personal financial security. And then also people's relationship with their bodies and And food. And I'm just like, everything you're saying to me feels like something you could apply to wherever the gaping wound is in your life. Am I going out on a limb here?
0: Nope, that's exactly correct. And in my own example, I realized about a month after I healed this wound about feeling unwanted, I didn't care about being famous anymore. I had wanted to be famous my entire life.
1: How and interesting.
0: Suddenly I was like, that sounds like a pain in the butt. I really don't care at all if I'm ever famous. And I was like, oh, that was about needing everyone to prove they wanted me. It was astonishing. I was just like, oh, holy crap, it healed that too. So I, you know, I actually add in another question because I do I have a whole workbook process and stuff to help people through doing the sexual fantasy thing and, and all of those questions. But there's a fifth question. Besides the two fantasies and two memories, there's a fifth one. What's your overall life fantasy? What do you feel like you can't be happy or can't relax or won't feel fulfilled until you get or achieve? And for some people, that's having a baby or getting engaged or having a successful entrepreneurial business or promotion at work or whatever the next thing is you think you need to fill that hole. How do you think you'll feel if you achieve that thing or if you get that? What emotional need is that meeting for you and when in your life have you not that need met so absolutely it applies to every aspect of life whatever we want it's about the emotion we think that we'll have if we get it
1: april let's talk about the how a little bit so we're talking about now healing the wound but on a subconscious level so i'm thinking by definition we can't just do this like we can't just flip a switch how does this where does one even begin
0: Uh uh-huh exactly with the subconscious mind we really have to kind of pull out all the stops And it's really all about convincing the subconscious that you're safe. And there's a lot of different methods that people use to do that with. Like you can do hypnosis and EFT and EMDR and all of these different techniques that you can use to access the subconscious and create change on that level. But most of those things require a lot of rounds, a lot of time to really get it in there and get that change to be on a permanent level much less make sure that you're getting it at its root but there is a technique that combines them all so that they kind of fill in each other's blanks and it's free so anybody can download these audio tracks for free that literally combine every different proven brain brain retraining modality into one method and it's a 10 minute long audio track called ps tech of Suggestion Technique. It was created by a clinical hypnotherapist in the UK who literally cures people's eating disorders. It's astonishing. He's, he's amazing. But he wanted people to have free, accessible, anywhere tools for traumas and phobias. But I've kind of taken those tools and I want to show everybody, like you can use it on literally anything. If your mother-in-law says something that pisses you off, you can use it on that. If you want to use it on your biggest longing in your love life, you could use it on that. So it really big, small, whatever and it's it's magical. It's really cool stuff.
1: April, that sounds too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. That's what I thought too. You said it's free, you said it's 10 minutes, people are literally cured. Can I share that through you? How do we do that?
0: Yes. So I will share the link. I have a link for how you can download those tracks for free, as well as my own like how to get at your own root stuff with it, because it's very important that you're not only using it on like the little piddly thing that's bothering you or the big giant trauma or whatever, but making sure that you're getting things at their roots so that you get permanent clearance on things instead of just temporary relief. So I've got a whole free tutorial and stuff on it. So I'll share that link so you can send that out
1: thank you. This, I'm on like a mindfulness journey right now. And my thought on this is why not?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. This makes mindfulness a million times easier because, you know, mindfulness can be this Herculean effort sometimes catching yourself in the act of thinking a thought or having a feeling or having a reaction, talking yourself down afterward, explaining it away. This actually just heals it on the subconscious level so that you don't have to talk sense to yourself every time it happens. And a lot of times you just stop reacting to it and you get retrained not to loop on those kinds of topics anymore. So you don't have to constantly be babysitting your brain anymore. So it's, it's phenomenal.
1: Okay. I love it. And tell me, did you say percussive suppression technique?
0: Uh, percussive suggestion technique. That sounds
1: better than suppression.
0: Yes. Oh, no, no. This is not about suppressing at all. This is about healing. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, when they, when they realize you can just like remove it, they think, oh, this is just suppressing. This is another way to avoid my emotions, but it's actually, you, you have to feel your feelings while you do this track. So you get to really dive into the depth of how you feel about a particular thing so it's not about suppression it's not about avoidance it's actually just you know the reason that you are so into and intense about that thing is because your subconscious thinks that there's a threat in it so if you get the subconscious to stop thinking there's a threat there you can just move on and and heal and not have that continually getting in your way.
1: Yeah, you have to root it out. I just heard this great analogy. This gentleman was saying, you know, I was on this self-help journey for a long time and I was doing this work that kept leading me down this endless path. And so think of it as a horizontal, like a road, that is on a horizontal plane. And he was like, you know, there was always a next step, always a next step, always the next step. And it wasn't until I started thinking vertically and realizing I needed to dig down into the dirt and uproot some of these things and pull them out before I could truly heal and truly achieve the things I was trying to achieve through self-development. It's not just a horizontal journey forward, but it's a vertical journey, digging down, uprooting so that we can carry on with a lighter load.
0: Absolutely. That's that's exactly how I see it. And I know so many people who've been on the self-help path or getting therapy for a long period of time. And it just feels like, and I got really frustrated with this myself, it's like you get minor improvement after minor improvement or temporary improvement after temporary improvement. And it feels like you're constantly peeling The onion layer after layer after layer. And at some point, when you work on your 50th layer about the same subject, you're like, how many effing layers does this thing have? Like, is there some way to actually just uproot it and remove it and get it gone so that I don't have to keep, you know, encountering that trigger again and again and again? How can we get the whole onion gone instead of peeling the layers of it? And that's really what this is all about.
1: Okay. Well, I'm here for it. I appreciate you sharing that. Of course, I will link everyone directly to it through your website. April, how do you work with people then? So you help them create awareness. You help them see what they can't see. Then you introduce them to what you called PS tech. Yep. And then kind of what happens? Where does one go from there?
0: yeah <laughs> because what often happens when i show people hey here's these wonderful tools go use sit on your biggest issues it's easy everybody's like but where do i start <laughs> like what do i start with what do i need to think about while i'm playing this track and, and all of that so that's really where i come in is helping people figure out exactly what they need to be thinking about to release certain issues, but also what kind of things they need to work on and think about in order to meet their end goals. Like, where do they want to be emotionally? It's not easy to figure that out yourself. Sometimes when you have all of these emotional triggers and things going on in your own life, it's hard to kind of pull yourself out of that and look at it from a higher perspective. So, you know, I'm I'm sort of like that detached third party that can just sort of look at it from a different perspective and say, okay, you know, you if you want to take care of your issue with how crazy your boss is driving you right now, well, you need to look at like what per- personality quirks or, you know, behaviors is he doing? And when else in your life have you encountered something like that? So really being able to step back and look at like, you know, did you have a teacher that treated you that way? And just being able to not only heal your issues with your boss, but you know, your issues with condescending men throughout the course of your life (laughs) Being able to make it. So that's not a trigger next time you encounter it.
1: (laughs) So you are a self-ascribed empath. Yes. Okay. Can you tell me what that means? It's a word that we hear all the time, but what's the real definition of an empath?
0: Yeah. It feels almost like a buzzword at this point. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I would just say it's someone who feels other people's feelings really deeply, and I don't know if I'm right.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's definitely the simplest definition of it. Really, it's an intuitive ability. It's another form of intuition. And just like a clairvoyant will have a vision about what's going on with somebody, an empath will feel that. And so they'll feel it in their own bodies if somebody else is having pain or somebody else is having a strong emotion, then they will kind of automatically kind of soak that up and feel that in themselves. But the problem is most people don't realize that's what they're doing. So they just think that's theirs. So most empaths don't even realize, "Oh, I'm picking up on this guy at the grocery store I just walked by or what, you know, this person I'm on the phone with is thinking or feeling." They think Oh, suddenly I'm upset or suddenly I'm feeling sick or whatever, and they think it's their own. Where somebody who's clairvoyant wouldn't necessarily think that. They're clear on the fact that what they're picking up on is about somebody else, or an empath will feel it in themselves. But my actual belief is that being an empath starts typically with having someone you grow up with who is emotionally unstable. And so when you're constantly being exposed to somebody who's in, unstable like that, you unconsciously reach your energy tendrils out to see, am I safe today? How, how's daddy feeling today? Is daddy angry and grumpy or is daddy relaxed and at ease? Can I be myself or do I need to be a really good girl today? And so we unconsciously do that and it reports back to us. And it becomes such a great protective mechanism. We start to do that with all yeah, everyone. That we interact with. We start to do it in public places. So we can't even go to the mall or the grocery store because we're feeling everybody's angst in that space. So, you know, it's very important to learn how to control where your energy is reaching out to and who you're checking in with in order to be able to not take on everybody else's stuff all the time.
1: It sounds exhausting.
0: It is exhausting. <laughs> I used to hate going to the grocery store. Now, I don't pick up on what's going on around me. So with my empath journey, I used to do all of these mindfulness exercises and all of these energy work things to try to control whether I was tuning into everybody else and whether I was picking up on other people's things and trying to heal it and trying to do all of these things. Because as an empath, most people feel like it's their job then to fix everyone around them, which robs them of their journey and it depletes us. So. We can't be doing that all the time. What I have found is the more of my own subconscious wounds that I've healed and my own traumas that I've healed, the less I pick up on other people's stuff because I just don't resonate with it anymore.
1: The work to create an energetic filter around yourself must be (laughs) almost as exhausting as not having one. Yes. Um, If I hear you correctly, you're saying by healing your own stuff, you're not as exposed to others. Right and their wounds. And I would think that that, bringing it back to relationships, I would certainly think that that would make you a healthier partner. I think there are probably a lot of people in relationships or dating who are trying to heal their own wounds and those of others in a romantic relationship.
0: Oh yeah. And that's, you know, first of all, that's the most challenging space to not be feeling the other people's stuff. You know, with strangers and everything, it gets easier and easier and easier. The more you tune out what's going on with other people, that that is easy. But when it's somebody you live with or somebody you really, really care about and you're feeling their stuff, that's, you know, the most challenging thing. And of course, we want to fix them. Of course, we want them to feel better. So that can be probably the, the biggest challenge is figuring out how to energetically mind our own business with our romantic partners. And still be a support to them. And that's another big step of this is making sure that you are healed and your own reactions to what they're doing or not doing or how they're feeling or not feeling is safe and healthy and that you're okay, regardless of what's going on with them. And then you can be a good listening ear without necessarily getting so wrapped up in their stuff or feeling like it's your responsibility to fix it. You can just Listen and support them and still maintain your own space and well being in yourself while that's happening.
1: It's just not our job to fix the inner child in the no. person that we're in relationship with.
0: That's exactly it. It's just not for us to fix anybody else. You know, we have to fix ourselves and continue working on that pretty much our whole lives, but we can't fix anybody else. And We can't even force them to do what we do to fix ourselves as much as we'd love to. You know, it's that whole, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. We can do so many things for ourselves to heal ourselves, but we can't expect our partner to resonate with exactly that same thing. So many spiritual people are like, well, but why isn't my husband into all this spiritual stuff with me? Or why, you know, like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, April, I'm just trying to get my husband to do yoga. Is that so wrong? (laughs) (laughs) The very best that we can do is work on ourselves. And whether you're in the right relationship or not, what do you lose by working on yourself?
0: Exactly. Because then regardless of whether you stay with that person or not, you're not bringing that baggage to the next thing.
1: Well, April, thank you for being a part of the path that we can engage in to become that best self. And I appreciate so much this conversation and some of these concepts I've never even really thought about before. So I've really enjoyed this conversation and I can't thank you enough.
0: Thank you. It's, you know, it's really an important part of the process and it's something that's really rare to, to hear about. So many of the different techniques and things that are out there are about coping. They're about, you know, getting by and trying to figure out how to make yourself okay with whatever's going on. And this is completely beyond the idea of coping. This is actually like healing removal, which I feel like is so important and so much less exhausting. I mean, not to say there's not a lot of work to be done with this because you honestly can do so many rounds of emotional healing work on the subconscious level to get where you want to be. So, I mean, not saying it's a snap of the fingers and you're all better. But if your issues, if, if anxiety is a brick wall and you work on each of those bricks, eventually the wall starts to crumble on its own. You know, So you have to work on the individual contributors to whatever it is that's, that's hurting you, bothering you, that you're longing for, all of that. And eventually the overall issue, you, you just start to feel more calm, more at ease, more even keel. And you don't have to constantly be stopping to talk sense to yourself and to be mindful every second of every day and just being able to move through and live your life, not having to talk yourself down from emotional reactions, you know, just living your life and being present in the moment automatically without having to have it be effortful.
1: April, thank you so much. I'll make it super easy to connect with your content. And where would you like people to find you?
0: So you can find me on Instagram under April Adams Emotion Coach but also my website, apriladams.org. And of course, you'll all have the link to the specific secret page that guides you through how to actually use PS Tech for your benefit.
1: You're the best.
0: Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you.
1: Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no whiff. It's just on airella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show, and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.